people think I'm damaged goods. I'm worried about losing my job. Will I ever get a transplant? I want to see my children graduate from college. How can I afford this? I don't want to be a burden. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed with information. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever fall in love and get married. I just want to play with my friends. You're listening to Kidney Talk, streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. Okay, well, we're here today with Larry Green. Um, he's from Chicago, Illinois, and he has a really interesting story on many aspects. One is he's going to tell us how he received his kidney transplant, and then he's going to share how art and his ability to create things helped him cope with his illness. So, Larry, welcome to the program. Thank you. Nice of uh, you to have me. Well, uh, tell us a little bit about um, how you were diagnosed with kidney disease. Well, um, I thought I had the flu, basically. I had been sick uh, for a little while, but I didn't know what was going on. And like I said, I thought it was just, oh, you know, I had a slight fever, and then it turned into um, I had a hard time uh, breathing. And my wife said, well, I think you need to go to the hospital. So... About three days after my birthday, which was on a Friday, on the Monday, we decided, well, you need to go in and let's find out what's going on. And um, like I said, I thought I had the flu, went in, and uh, I found myself in a little room and somebody doing a ultrasound on my kidneys and them telling me that my kidneys had shrunk, were about a third, third of the size they should have been. Of course, that kind of put me in a little bit of a shock and I remember kind of losing my breath and the next thing I remember I was in a room and I was being held down while they were trying to put a um, cath in me and a breathing tube and I believe what they told me I, I was combatant and then I woke up three days later in ICU and my whole life had been turned around and they said I was on dialysis um, my kidneys had failed, and I was uh, in toxic shock, and, um, you know, that was my... So you you basically crashed into dialysis, literally. <laughs> I mean, my introduction, there was no lead-up, there was no warning, it was just, bang, you're in-stage renal. And so how long were you on in-center hemodialysis? Uh, I was at um, in-center for, well, I started off at the hospital for about uh, six months, and then I transferred over to uh, the DeVita at Logan Square in Chicago, and uh, I was there for basically two and a half years. It was, interestingly enough, you actually wanted to get a kidney transplant. Um, you know, I was diagnosed having Wagoner's disease and uh, hypertension and in the beginning they had told me because of uh, the drugs that I was using at the time which was uh, prednisone and cytoxin that the risk of having a um, transplant was not uh, doable however when I went to in center there was another doctor who thought my symptoms were not caused by the Wagner's disease but from um, the uh, kidney failure 
and he wrote a note to the doctor at uh, the hospital I had been uh, treated at and said that he thought uh, I didn't need the prednisone and the cytoxin. He was taking me off of it and that he thought that I should try to get a transplant and get the work up as soon as possible. So he thought your symptoms were basically from kidney failure, not the disease you were originally diagnosed with. Wow. Uh, the other doctor was, well, he questioned it, but at the same time he thought, well, you know, none of the symptoms were there from the uh, Wagner's disease. So he thought it could have been in remission, and he gave me permission to go ahead and proceed with the uh, workup for a transplant. And I know at the time they had told me, you know, for uh, dialysis patients, it was better to try to get a transplant within the first two years of going on dialysis because the uh, success rate was better within the first two years. So how did you go about, um, you obviously had a living donor because the wait list is so long in Chicago. How long is the wait list in Chicago? Well, for me, it was five to seven years. Well, you decided that you, they basically cleared you for transplant and you became, um, basically, you wanted to get a transplant. So I find it so interesting that you got your kidney off of Craigslist. Well, after employing a lot of options, you know, uh, I I had friends tested, I had family members tested, and it just didn't really fall through. And I wasn't happy about receiving a cadaver transplant, you know, because of the, um, you know, the odds. What's better is a uh, living donor. And I had a friend who lived in Florida who I had made contact with, and she just told me, well, you ever thought about Craigslist? And I was like, no, but why not, you know? And uh, after trying to get listed in other states, you know, Wisconsin, because the wait is 11 months, again, uh, it's a cadaver, and other hospitals, you know, I think you have to employ other options other places as well. But I finally did the uh, Craigslist ad, and I wrote it very elegantly and made sure there were certain points that, you know, this was not something I was going to purchase. Uh, I was looking for a altruistic donor who was a giving and caring person. And within the first week, I got several um, uh, people to respond, but one response in particular was of interest because this person was very determined and seemed very um, sure of herself that this is what she wanted to do. And uh, I had placed the ad or had worded it in a way that she had to do the work. She had to make the contact. And I left the number of my transplant coordinator. She called the number. She made the appointment for the blood work. She was a match. She made the appointment for the follow-up. The follow-up was successful. You know, she passed the psychological uh, evaluation. I mean, there were modifications we did with that because I'm not for sure how institutions sometimes uh, look at altruistic donors. And a person who was found on Craigslist, I think sometimes they frown upon that. But we made sure that uh, they knew that she had known me through some other sources as well. And I can't believe how fast it all came together because I placed the ad in January and by the end of March, I was transplanted. Oh, wow. And where did this woman live in Illinois? Yes, she lived in Chicago. I mean, the ad was placed locally. Uh, You know, I had thought about, you know, you could do it nationally as well, but for convenience sake, local was better. Two, uh, 
you know, because I'm on Medicare and Medicaid, it was better that I got transplanted in Illinois because Medicaid would pay for the uh, 20% that uh, Medicare does not pay for. So that was important. Everything just worked out <laughs> very well. I, it was unbelievable. And, uh, you know, I was uh, very fortunate and blessed how it uh, all turned out. Well, can you share a little bit about your donor, what you learned about her? Or was it completely separate, like you really didn't have much to contact? Um, As I said, she did basically all the work. I didn't know anything about her other than her placing or uh, answering the ad. Uh, She said, uh, you know, she was you know, Christian. She was uh, um, a non-smoker, uh, a vegetarian, <laughs> and she, she was 32, and uh, I'm, I uh, myself am uh, 58. And uh, like I said, she thought this was the thing that she was meant to do, and it was from uh, reading my post and how it was uh, worded. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. And it's just one of those things where you couldn't believe it. But like I said, I had many other people uh, answer the ad, and, you know, some were, you know, kind of out there, and you could tell, again, who's serious and who's not. And you got to use uh, your common sense and intelligence, of course, to decipher, you know, what's real and what's not. And, and that's not hard, you know. But like I said, when I left it up to her to make the moves, like I said, you had no risk involved, and you had nothing to lose. So, you know, and her seriousness came from the fact that she followed through with the uh, process, and that was amazing. And, you know, it came to a point where I finally talked to her by phone, And then about a week and a half before uh, the transplant, I did meet her, you know, at the the hospital because we had to have some follow-up work. We had to meet the anesthesiologists and the uh, surgical nurses. And then, you know, the final uh, workup was with the uh, transplant coordinator. And that's when I met her for the first time. And she was just a delightful uh, young woman who actually uh, originally was from Haiti and, um, Wow, you know, I mean, I was almost moved uh, moved to tears when I met her. Uh, my wife was too. I mean, you can't believe such a person was willing to give you such a gift and sacrifice a part of her for you. I mean, it's just a overwhelming feeling. It is. It's, you know, they're basically giving you a chance at having, I mean, you can have a life on dialysis, but a transplant is so much better and it's more normal. So, yeah. I had learned before I even... You know, there's a time where I was very kind of bitter and angry, you know, doing dialysis, going into the clinic, you know, I didn't like the service, I didn't like the people, I didn't like just having to wake up three times, take this walk, because I walked to uh, dialysis every morning. I woke up at 5 o'clock in the morning, and in Chicago, uh, the uh, winters are not the best, so, you know, this was my life. And uh, instead of being upset and angry, you know, it came to a point where I realized I had to change. I had to change it. And to change it was to get a transplant. Uh, I had the power to get a transplant because I know there's so many people who are not uh, able to uh, have a transplant. And, but if you can and you can do something, I think you should. And uh, it 
just turned my life around when my attitude changed and I made an effort to make things happen. I mean, between that period, which was last fall, until I put the ad on Craigslist and when I got a transplant, for some reason, I was at calm that because of my efforts, I knew this was going to happen. And that makes such a difference in your, uh, you know, in your psyche as far as how how you feel. So tell me, uh, so you were transplanted on what date? March 28th. Wow, so it's only been a few weeks. What's your creatinine? Uh, it's 1.4 at the present time. Oh, wow, that's great. It's a little from 1.4 to 1.3, 1.6. Uh, I'm going in um, once a week. Mm-hmm. I thought I had to go in more than that because when I got out of the hospital, I came in, uh, got out on a Friday. Uh, I went in for the follow-up on a Monday, follow-up again on a Thursday, and on that Thursday they said, well, just come in once a week. It's pretty amazing, isn't it, how it's like, wow, because I was only, I was transplanted on February 4th, so I'm a little bit behind you, and I'm now going every two weeks, and uh, I have to say, you're probably going to have creatinine envy, but my creatinine was 0.6 to (laughs) 0.8. As long as it's not 9.8 or 10, you know, uh, I'm quite with it. Well, yeah, I know. It's just a, it's a joke with us. Uh, you know, once in a while, people are like, I have creatinine MB. And um, I was lucky to receive my first living donor transplant. As I said, this is my fourth. And my first three were deceased donors. My first two didn't work. But my third one lasted over 20 years. And then I received a, um, a living donor transplant from my stepsister. So uh, it's, you know, it's amazing. I mean, all my numbers are like in normal I mean, you know, when you look at my lab sheet, I can't remember them all being a normal ever before. Right. Uh, my last uh, lab, you know, blood work was, well, the, in the, to uh, quote the doctor, fantastic. Fantastic. You always like that word. <laughs> That's one of the best words. So how's your, how's the donor doing? The donor's doing fine. I'll yeah. I'll touch with her, you know, by uh, email. She's a very modest person. She doesn't want to take uh, recognition. She said she did it not for uh, uh, fame or, uh, you know, um, uh, again, uh, recognition. And uh, <laughs> She did it with the joy of just knowing that she helped somebody. Right. Yeah. Uh, Harvey Massell, I don't know if you know who he is, mm-hmm. livingdonornetwork.org uh, founder, uh, wanted to give her a starfish, and uh, she refused it which I have it, which at some point I'm going to give it to her anyway. I mean, I think sometimes you have to be humble yourself and say, look, you know, this is yours because you're such a wonderful person, and smile, and here it is. Yeah, that's definitely um, true. Well, uh, one of the things I wanted to just kind of close this interview with is that uh, it's come to my attention that you're a pretty talented artist. And uh, can you share a little bit about how art helped you cope through this process and uh, how you keep continuing to draw? Well, I had to go in for dialysis, you know, obviously, and uh, I would take my drawing notebook and I would do a few sketches, and I started sketching my arm every time uh, I went in. Uh, my arm was hooked up to the connection, so every time I went in, I decided to do a drawing of the arm, and uh, I, I said as soon as I got a transplant, I would stop. So. 275 drawings later, uh, I finished my last one, which was in the hospital, as a matter of fact, uh, the day before I got the uh, transplant. So uh, I have 270 
drawings, which I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do with them at this point. Hopefully I have a show. Hopefully I can show people the, the mundane, uh, you know, uh, I'm not sure what word I'm looking for here. Uh, <laughs> Did it change over those 270 drawings, your access, or does it look pretty much the same? Well, they're different. I mean, you know, I mean, the arm will fit uh, a little different. It's like the hand, the arm, you know, the fistula, the wraps with the cables. And sometimes, you know, there were uh, infiltrations where I have like three tubes in me, you know, three needles, you know, and I would make notes on each of the drawings about what what was going on, you know, the text, uh, you know, my weight at the time, you know, just kind of keep uh, keeping track of my experience. And then I also would draw some of the, the people that were, you know, in the clinic uh, sitting around as well. I did do a, a painting uh, of one of the uh, the uh, shots, and I did actually uh, photographs, too. Oh, wow. Kind of those. Um, you know, they kind of frown upon that stuff at the clinic, but... You know, I uh, snuck some things in. You know, <laughs> you you took your blanket and hood the put the camera underneath it, yeah, <laughs> the flash. I tried to record and do a um, you know journal of my experience. Well, one question I have. Uh, when I got my transplant, my phosphorus dropped. The thing that I wanted more than anything was cheese on a stick. Don't ask me why, but that's what I wanted. So as soon as I could, I had somebody make a trip over to hot dog on a stick and get fried cheese. Now, I'll probably need a heart transplant in the future, but uh, was there any one craving that you had? I would say you're pretty close. A uh, cheese uh, sandwich. Yeah. Uh, going to a Greek restaurant and having the flaming cheese, you know, hoopa. <laughs> I know. It's a, it's it's such a wonderful gift to be able to pretty much eat anything you want. And, uh, you know, because you've uh, had this diet, you know, the renal diet, you've been eating so many bland things, and it's almost opposite now. I mean, you know. And drinking all that fluid that you're supposed to drink. <laughs> drinking water, and then, of course, as you know, your bladder has shrunk some, and you know, you find yourself having to go every, you know, 10 minutes. And, oh, you know, you're it gets better. I can tell you that. It gets better. <laughs> better already. So, well, that's wonderful, uh, Larry. I think it's, um, you know, your true inspiration. I've seen your artwork. And for your arm drawings, I would suggest that you reach out to Fistula First. Um, they have uh, conferences with CMS, and uh, everybody's interested in accesses. So that might be the place to display your work. Oh, okay. Well, I'm open for uh, suggestions, so, you know, they're here. I got, like, uh, five notebooks full of stuff, so, <laughs> you know, at some point, I'm sure uh, they'll be used for something. As soon as you, they're, you're released from that weekly treatment schedule, they won't be able to catch up with you. That's right. Well, thank you so much, Larry, for sharing your story, and, uh, you know, for the people listening out there, you know, basically the message is just to take control and... Uh, um, and do something you love in the process, which is what Larry does of, in drawing and, and creating and keeping your attitude positive. Okay, it's been great talking to you. We can control our own destiny. We can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options. We can form partnerships with our health care team. We can take steps towards self-improvement. We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives. 
we can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. We can pursue our hopes and dreams. We can make a difference. 